Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. You know, if you search from Genesis through Revelation, you will find that that song is as an accurate a representation of the gospel of Jesus Christ as could be written in the pages of the book. Because from when Moses, under the inspiration of God, wrote, in the beginning, God, he was saying that all the hope of mankind is in Jesus. And in Revelation, when it says that he will come rolling back in on a white horse. He's saying, I told you that all of the hope was in Jesus. So thank you, Brent, for that song. Because let me just tell you this morning, if you have your hope in anything besides Jesus, my friends, you are missing out on the friend above all friends and the king above all kings. So I pray that if your hope is in your good deeds or in your good works or in what you've done or in what your mama did or in what your grandmother did, that before this service is over, you would realize that your hope is in nothing but filthy rags if it's in anything but Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, who can deliver you from your trouble but most importantly, delivered you from your debt of sin that you could not pay. This morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, find your way to verse 8. As you turn there, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever misquoted something in your life? Have you ever seen someone else misquote something? You hear it, and then you go and misquote it too because what you heard wasn't correct. One famous misquotation is this. You ever heard the phrase, elementary, my dear Watson? Anyone ever heard that phrase? Show of hands if you've heard elementary, my dear Watson. Show of hands if you've said elementary, my dear Watson. Good, two of you are honest. Praise the Lord. All right. Elementary, my dear Watson. We say that. It's been said often. But did you know that while Sherlock Holmes often said the word elementary and quite often said, my dear Watson, that in all of the pages that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wrote about Sherlock Holmes, he never put the word, my dear Watson, after the word elementary. Not one time is it in all of it. But somehow throughout history we've combined those words that Sherlock famously said into one phrase that says, I figured that out because it's elementary, my dear Watson. Now, in the case of that misquotation, as is often the case, not a lot of danger in the fact that you misquote Sherlock Holmes as you talk to someone. You can't really mislead, misguide, or misdirect someone by saying the words elementary and my dear Watson. Quite often, if you accidentally repeat something that was slightly misquoted, chances are no negative comes from it. It was just a mistake. It just happened and time goes on. But did you know that sometimes... 
There are infamous misquotations that can have theological implications in the lives of people if you don't get them right. One of those most famous misquotations we are going to be dealing with this morning. And there is some dangerous theological implication if you hear or have ever said or have repeated or have heard someone say the words, God won't put more on you than you can bear. Many of us have said, as a matter of fact, if I wanted to ask you if honestly you would raise your hand if you've ever said that, had I not just told you before that it was a misquotation, many of you would have said, I think I may have said that the other day to someone that was struggling. Oftentimes, well-intentioned people have looked on to people struggling and said, just take comfort, brother. God won't put more on you than you can bear. Can I just tell you, my friends, that the Word of God says basically the exact opposite of that very statement. Now, the Word of God does make a promise. It does make a promise that He won't put more on us than someone can bear. Can I just tell you that the someone that can bear it ain't you? It ain't you at all. God's Word suggests to us from the beginning to the end that God won't put more on us than He can bear. But God's Word explicitly commands us of this. We can't handle anything all by ourselves. Anything that we can't handle getting up in the morning and taking a breath of our own accord apart from the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. We don't have it in us to bear anything. And so just to be clear on something though, because many of you shook your hands and heads in agreement, but deep down in the back of your head you thought, well, grandmother said that. Surely grandmother was right. This misquotation we can take back to a particular text in Scripture. We know where this one comes from. Now, sometimes there are misquotations and we just don't know where they came from. Oftentimes I get this. Uh, Brother Jason, they said that you said. And at the end of it I go... I don't think I ever said that. I, 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 actually, I'm sure that I never... That's not even something that I would say if I was going to say something. I wouldn't have said that. But sometimes somebody comes and they say, Brother Jason, they said that you said... And they let it go. And I go, no, 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 no. That's not what I said. What I said was... And then I repeat it the way that I actually said it, and it has a different meaning, but I know where the misquotation came from. In the instance of God won't put more on you than you can bear, that is a misquotation most often from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, where God says to us, No temptation is overtaking you, but such is common to man, and God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. And what God is promising here is that when it comes to temptation, when it comes to the matter of sin in your life, God has fixed our lives in such a way that we could never stand and say the words, the devil made me do it. In light of temptation, God has provided a way of escape. But in fact, suffering and trouble is a far different conversation. In, in terms of suffering, sometimes trouble comes and it is more than we can take. Sometimes hardships come and those burdens are more than we can handle. Oftentimes those burdens arise quickly and seem to come out of nowhere and they weight us down so much and they're more than we can carry. 
And that leads us to stand and read our text this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Please stand as we read verses 8 through 10 together. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia. That we were burdened beyond measure above strength, so that when we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Who delivered us from so great a death, and does deliver us in whom we trust, that he will still deliver us. Let us pray. Father God, we ask that you would do this morning what only you can do, and that is set your Holy Spirit free among your people, Lord God. God, we pray that you would bind any spirit from this place that isn't your Holy Spirit, Lord God, and that lives would change in a way that they can only change when they're changed by you, Jesus. We thank you for what you've already done, and we praise you for what you are going to do, because Lord God, at the end of the service... I promise you that we will give you the glory for everything good that happens. And it is in your precious name that we do pray. And all of God's people said, and you may be seated. The first thing that I want us to look at this morning is this. There should be no surprise in our suffering. There should be no surprise when we suffer. Paul writes here in verse 8. He says, "Uh, we don't want you to be ignorant. Hey, guys. Essentially, Paul says, hey, brothers, we we don't want you to be unaware or ignorant of the fact that we endured some troubles on our mission trip. Paul had a mission trip in Asia, and he's essentially telling them, guys, I don't want you to think everything went the way that it was supposed to go. We had some troubles. We had some problems. Can I just tell you something he even says? We thought we were goners. Well, we despaired for our lives. We thought that our time had come to a conclusion. That is some serious trouble if you think that your life is going to end as a result of that trouble, I would say. And so we should look at this scripture and we should begin to think we have no reason to be surprised when circumstances arise in our lives. Friends, if it happened to Paul, If it happened to the greatest missionary that ever has drawn breath on this earth, if it happened to the greatest preacher who's ever been converted on this earth, if Paul had to endure afflictions, my friends, why would we think we would be excluded from the afflictions in our lives? Why would we think that we wouldn't have to be shackled by such a heavy load? Why would we be surprised when trouble starts to uh, rise in our lives? In this time of smiling prosperity gospel preachers that like to stand and hold their microphone in one hand and leave their Bible at home and smile real big, you might be inclined to think that if you just smile big enough and you just think positively enough and you just faith the pain away that you can just smile and it all gets better. In fact, you might be inclined to think if you listen to some people today that when you got saved, you got a Jesus bubble that you could crawl into that would protect you from anything bad that ever happened. But my friends, the Word of God says us we're, we're not immunized to troubles. 1 Peter 4 says, Don't be surprised at the fiery trial among you which comes to you for testing as though some strange thing or happen. The Word of God says it's not strange when the people of God suffer troubles. It's not strange when the people of God endure afflictions. The Bible says we can't be taken aback by those troubles. Can I just tell you something in, in, in simple old layman's terms? In other words, according to the Word of God, 
we should not be surprised when trouble comes knocking on our door. We might be surprised by what the trouble is, but we shouldn't be surprised by the fact that there's trouble there. We shouldn't be taken aback when trouble comes into our lives and catches us off guard. Can I just tell you something that trouble has never done in my life, afflictions have never done in my life? They never called ahead for seating. I never got a phone call that said, Hey, Brother Jason, I'm an unexpected bill. I wanted you to know I'm going to show up in your mailbox next Thursday and you're not going to have the money because you just decided to take your family to Florida. I've never picked up the phone and had on the other end. Brother Jason, I wanted you to know that before you go in to preach that sermon tonight to the people of God, one of the people of God is going to catch you flat off guard with a problem with another person from the people of God. I've never picked up the phone and been scheduled the day where I was going to endure an affliction. No, usually I pick up the phone and the affliction comes punching right through the receiver and catches me right off guard and I wasn't ready for it. But my friends, can I tell you, we don't have any any cause to be surprised by suffering. In fact, we have cause to be wondering what we're doing for God if we're not enduring some temptation or test or affliction. He says that suffering is real, it's guaranteed. Jesus himself said in John 16:33 that in this life there will be trouble and tribulations. What I'm trying to tell you is if you have two feet on this earth. Oh, now there's there's a day coming when there's no more suffering. There's a place promised where there's no more troubles and tears. There's no more sicknesses. There's no more death. But quite frankly, friends, this is not that place. You know what will happen on the day you stop having troubles? The day that things stop catching you off guard and being troubled and afflicted, you know what will happen that same day is they'll tie a toe tag on your body. They'll check your spelling in the obituary and your family will have a service to memorialize you because as long as you are here on this earth, there will be troubles. Now, I don't want to just take a, a second and just look at the fact that there are troubles. Well, let, let's look a little bit at the reason for these sufferings in our lives. Let's look a little bit at the reason for these sufferings because far too often... Most of us in this world, we, we go to the same school of theology as the friends of Job, don't we? Well, you know what I'm talking about. You remember when Job was suffering and his friends would come to, to sit with him? What did most of them say? They said, Job, what did you do to bring about this suffering in your life? Job, what, what, what is it that you've done to aggravate God. What is it that you've done to cause this? Now, I'm not saying that there's never an instance where God snatches us out of the despair of sin with some trouble in our lives and straightens us up. But what I'm here to tell you is that's not necessarily the case. That when there's trouble, it's not always a result of the sin in our lives. So what do you mean, Brother Jason? Well, I mean, look at Paul. What's, what's Paul doing when he endures a trouble that nearly kills him? He's right smack dab in the center of the will of God preaching in Asia. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. And trouble comes and nearly kills him. And so this leads me to look at just a couple of reasons I want to share with you quickly this morning as to why beyond our own sins we may suffer in this life. One, I believe that sometimes we suffer because of the sins of others. So what do you mean, Brother Jason? sins of others. Well, you remember the story of Jonah, don't you? His sin was causing some pretty perilous times, not just in his life when he was on that ship, 
But all of the mariners aboard the ship who didn't even know God were enduring the same storm that Jonah was being forced to endure. And it was a source of his affliction that brought the storm upon the boat. They all of them were suffering as the result of Jonah's sin. See, we are interconnected in so many ways here that sometimes our actions bring troubles to other people and other people's actions bring troubles to us. You say, oh, that was the book of Jonah, Brother Jason. That doesn't happen anymore. Baloney. You think I'm stretching the truth a little bit? You go talk to the husband of the wife when his wife is cheating on him. Her sins are causing him some troubles. You go talk to the parent of the child who's living in rebellion. That child's sin causes that parent's pillow to feel like a limestone rock at night. The sins of other people can affect other people's lives. And so sometimes we are enduring troubles as a result of other people's sins. But I believe sometimes... We also endure troubles as a tactic of Satan. 1 Peter 5 and 8 says, Be sober and vigilant, for the adversary, the devil, is roaming and looking to devour. Sometimes, friends, when we look into the face of God and we shake our fists and we say, God, why? God, it just feels like I'm being attacked. God might look down on us and say, Well, it's because you are. You are under attack. And for us to be surprised at the fact that Satan would attack us would be no different than when a soldier in World War II went to war if he would have got over there and said, Why are these Japanese men shooting at me? Well, they're shooting at you because you're wearing a different uniform and you work for a different commander. My friends, you have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light if you've been saved by Jesus Christ. And can I just tell you that the prince of the power of the world of the darkness don't like the new you. He was quite happy with the you that was going to hell, but he is not satisfied with the you that's blood-bought and reborn, and he wants to attack you to pull you off your game because he said, if I can't pluck him out of the Savior's hand, I can at least stop him from having a testimony to anybody else. If I throw him enough curveballs, he won't tell nobody about Jesus. And so sometimes when we endure inflections, it's the actions of others. Sometimes it's a tactic of Satan. And my friends, third, can I just tell you that sometimes Sometimes it is the training of God. Have you ever experienced a lesson that is best learned in a storm? C.S. Lewis once wrote that pain is often God's megaphone in our lives. You know, sometimes pain has a way of getting our attention that pleasure just won't accomplish, doesn't it? Sometimes... The master teacher God will take us to the classroom at the school of hard knocks to show us that we're not as ready for this life as we thought we were. We're not as ready for this journey as we thought we were. And sometimes there's a lesson that God has to teach us and he can only teach it to us by taking us out to the woodshed a little bit. The principle is that sometimes you have to be brought to your knees before you can learn to stand. Because when you think you've got it all figured out on your own, you're not going to depend on God. And so sometimes we endure an affliction, and it's God's way of saying, I just wanted to remind you of something. That you can't handle anything apart from me. 
Your head was a little big, Brother Jason. You thought you were the one that prepared the sermons, and so I'm not going to give you one until Saturday this week because I'm going to wait on you to get on your knees and remember that the message comes from me. Brother Jay, you thought you were smart enough to teach that Wednesday night class, <clears throat> but I'm going to remind you this week that you've got to depend on me. Yeah, that's right. It happens in Brother Jason's life every week. I get reminded by God that it is his ministry, that my family is his family. You think you're a good dad? I'm going to cause your daughter to climb up on the chest of drawers and pull the TV down just to remind you that the fear of Jason doesn't make her obey. You're going to have to depend on me to be a dad. You see, we don't learn our lessons often in pleasure because we think we got it figured out when everything's good. But God says, let me just bring you down a notch, big boy. But let us look at how Paul responds to this trouble in verse 8. Look at how he, he kind of responds. I, I want you to notice what he doesn't say. He, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant of the trouble which came in Asia. We were burdened beyond measure, above strength. We despaired even of our lives. Paul doesn't ever mention in there, though. It, it doesn't go after that. He says, well, we had some troubles. So what we did was we just stood up and we said, trouble be gone from us. And the trouble went away, and that's all you have to do to get rid of the trouble in your life. And no, Paul goes a little bit deeper than that. He, he says, we, we had trouble. Some translations will say afflictions. And that word literally means to crush. Paul says, guys, listen, we, we were burdened and crushed. It's like the weight was too great. Imagine if I set an aluminum Coke can on this stage, up on its end, with nothing inside of it, by the way. It was an empty Coke can. And I began to take my foot and push down on that can. What do you think is going to happen? It's going to crush. Why is it going to crush? It's going to crush, no jokes here, it's going to crush because the weight was too much for the can to bear. And so what Paul is saying when he says this is the weight of what we experienced in Asia... It was, it was just crushing to us. We couldn't withstand the affliction that was come upon us. Uh, some of your translations will say that the affliction was excessive. Some will say beyond measure. But that idea is just exactly like you would think if I said something's beyond measure. Paul is literally saying we were crushed. And there is no comparison for me to compare it to. What it felt like. I can't think of anything that's happened in my life that reminds me of it. It was so great that there's no way for me to tell you what it felt like. He says it was above our strength. Above our strength. More than we had the, the, the stuff to handle. That word is, is hyper dunamis. Literally hyper meaning above. Dunamis meaning strength. Dunamis the word where we get our word for dynamite and explosion. And so what Paul was saying there is quite literally the weight was more than we could bear. It crushed us and we put our heads together and came up with all the strength that we had. And when we came up with all the strength that we had inside of us and we pushed back against us, it crushed us anyway. It said when that trouble came in your life and you said I'm going to study harder and I'm going to do better.
better and I'm going to straighten up on my own and I'm going to pray more but I'm not going to leave it at the feet of Jesus and I'm going to pretend to be faithful and I put all my strength in it but the trouble crushed me anyway. The addiction wouldn't go away because I wished it away. My marriage wouldn't straighten up because I wished it to straighten up no matter how hard I wished. My job didn't get no better though I pretended to want it to with all I had. Paul says it was more than we could handle and all of our strength wasn't enough to get it done. Imagine with me this. Next Sunday morning, we're going to swing the preacher in from the rafters on a rope. We have a guest preacher next Sunday that's smaller, David Holden. I don't need no jokes. <laughs> but somebody forgot the cable. And so Sunday morning, somebody said, anybody got a rope? And my daddy, being a fisherman, said, I got some fishing line. But it's only six-pound test. I don't know about you guys, but I figure that the problem would be beyond the resource. Unless it's some really good six-pound test fishing line. It ain't going to hold up, is it? You ain't going to tie that fishing line around the bumper of one of them trucks out there and pull it, are you? Unless it's a Ford. Sorry. I'm just kidding, by the way. I have a Ford. It sits very well at my parents' house. The strength was more than the resource could handle. The strength would be more than it could handle. He said, it's, <clears throat> can, I, can I just paraphrase a little what he says? Because Paul doesn't say, we ran into these troubles and it, it was causing me to pull my hair out. We ran into these troubles and it was making me go bonkers. Well, we ran into this problem and, and I was losing sleep. Paul said, we ran into this problem and I thought I was dead. We ran into this problem and I thought for sure that this was the big one. I wasn't going to make it through this one. He kind of he says here to the people, guys, I don't want you to think I've got it all together. I don't want you to think that I don't have problems. I don't want you to think I don't have troubles. In fact... When we were on that mission trip in Asia, we faced a problem that, that crushed us. We thought it was going to kill us. It, it was indescribable. I would tell you what it was like, but I don't even have the words to describe it. You wouldn't understand it if I tried to tell you. It was that bad, my friends. It was the worst thing ever. And we thought we were done. And we just had to throw in the towel and say we didn't have anything else to give. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been there? You ever been there? Are you there now, maybe? Shackled by a heavy load? Those burdens so great you don't think you can pick them up? Let me just ask you a question. How would it feel if someone, when you finally drug yourself to the house of God, when you finally got up the courage to go to the house of God while you were shackled by that heavy load, and some well-intentioned brother or sister slid their arm around you and said, Good news, brother. God won't put no more on you than you can bear. 
You, you might be inclined to think one of two things, neither of which are good. First, you may very well sit back in your pew and say, God, what's wrong with my faith? God, what's wrong with me? You said you wouldn't put any more on me than you can handle, but I can't handle this no more, God. What's wrong with me, preacher? What's wrong with me that I don't have the... What's wrong with my faith? So you'd begin to question your faith. But the other thing you might do, which is even far more dangerous, is you might be inclined to sit there and say, God, you said you wouldn't put more on me than I can bear, but I cannot bear this burden anymore. What's wrong with you, God? Because you're going to question one of two. If you believe that he won't put more on you than you can bear and you can't bear it anymore, you're either going to question yourself or you're going to question God. And neither one has a place in the faith of a Christian. We should not have to sit back and wonder if we know the King of Kings. And we should not allow our afflictions to be what does it. He does not say that. So my friends, don't be surprised when you suffer. <coughs> Real quickly, don't think you're sufficient in your suffering. When we get to that place where we say, God, I can't bear this burden anymore. When we look to God and say, I can't take it anymore, God. This load is too heavy. This burden is too great. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know which way is up. I don't know which way is left. I don't know God anymore. Then God might rightly respond to you in this way. He might say, who told you to carry that burden anyway? Where in the world did you get the idea that you had to do this alone? God might look at you and say, in my word, I told you to cast your cares upon me because I care for you. I told you to come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. You ever needed rest? Amen. And God said, my strength is perfected in your weakness. My grace shall be sufficient for you. But never in any place in the word of God did he say, your strength is enough. He said, my strength is enough. Why would you carry this burden if God said, give it to me and I will carry it? See, we have to see what Paul said in verse 9. We're going to move quickly through this. He said, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. That's kind of a, a legal term that Paul is using and he's using it on purpose. He's, he's saying the death sentence was issued. In other words, we had no more appeals to the court. We had nothing else we could do. We were out and the death sentence had been issued. We were going down. There was no hope for us. My friends, we need to see that in ourselves because until we see that we don't have the hope, we won't turn to God. You're not going to give it to God as long as you think you can handle it. You have to recognize that. And when we realize we can't, we recognize He can and when we think about what he's already done for us, we realize that he's the one that brought us through it. We go back and look at our lives and all of the things we think we've accomplished. But if we'll stop and look at them, we'll realize that somebody was behind the scenes turning those things right in front of us, making our way for us when we finally let him have control. We begin to realize we can't do it on our own at all. You see, some of us get to the point that we think we can't handle it and our machismo takes over. And we think it's a bad thing to say, I don't know what to do. But can I just tell you that the good thing about not knowing what to do is that God said you were never supposed to fix it anyway. 
You wasn't supposed to fix it anyway. Let's move on this morning for the sake of time. I'm sorry. I got a little carried away on the first point because I may have suffered a little in my life myself. We can't be surprised when we suffer. We can't be sufficient when we suffer. And finally, though, there's no separation from God through our suffering. How can I grow in faith through suffering? I can recognize that God never leaves me there. But you look at what Paul says about this, this, just in the fact that he's writing. He says, we couldn't trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, he delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will deliver us. Paul says three things really right there that I want us to pay attention to. One, he says God delivered us. Can I just tell you that the fact that Paul is writing this letter on the other side of the suffering that he thought was going to kill him tells me that Paul survived, didn't he? Be hard to write a letter if you were already deceased. Can I just tell you something this morning? Through all the dangers, tolls, and snares you have already come, if you're here this morning, that means God saw you through it. God saw you through it. You're an overcomer. Did you know that? You're an overcomer this morning. You may not have walked in here feeling like an overcomer, but friend, you're an overcomer. Why? Because of the power of Christ in you. He brought you through whatever you've been through already. Paul says something else though. He said he delivered us and he does deliver us. He did it in the past. He's doing it now. Can I just tell you that if God brought you here this morning, he's brought you through whatever you've been through. My friend, whatever you're going through, guess what he's going to do for that too? He's going to take you through it when you put your faith in Him. And Paul goes on to say that He will deliver us. Now you may already know what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you're sitting here this morning, that means He brought you through what you've been through. You can take faith in the fact that He'll bring you through what you're going through right now. And friends, even better than that, you can take faith in the fact that He's going to take you through what you'll go through tomorrow. Amen. My God is a faithful God. He's always done what he said he was going to do. He'll always do what he said he was going to do. And until the day you return to him, you'll have troubles. But until that day, my friends, take faith in the fact that he will never leave you. And he will never forsake you. So when the burden feels too great, look to the sky and say, God, I can't. Boy, that rhyme. I may swing in next week. I'm getting more hip by the minute. I was back checking to make sure that my suit was straight because Liette said after baptisms I come out and I look disheveled sometimes and my suit's twisted and one time Miss Sherry had to fix my britches because they was tucked in my sock and <laughs> your preacher's kind of a redneck and, and I don't know if you knew that but uh, I went back to look in the mirror and because this bathroom is blocked off with the remodeling I went back to the back and Austin was changing clothes and there on the, uh, there on the vanity was some hair gel. That kid's got some cool hair, doesn't he? And so I thought, well, I might order slide some of that hair gel in. His daddy said he put it in, but I couldn't tell no difference. His head got shinier, but I, I put it in. Can y'all tell that I spiked my hair up? <laughs> they tell me we're supposed to be more relevant to the young people. Young people, do I look more relevant now than I did before? <laughs> Let's get serious. So, friends, let me tell you something. When trouble comes in your life, you're going to respond in one of two ways. 
fear, or faith. Trouble comes in your life, you're going to respond in fear or you're going to respond in faith. Any other response you have is a variation of those two things, fear and faith. Fear says, I don't know how this is going to end. But I know it's going to be bad. But faith says, I can't see the end. I don't know how this is going to end. But God does and it's going to be all right. That's it. That's the two ways you respond to trouble in your life. Fear and faith. Someone here this morning needs to respond to this as we close. There's a reason that God had this for us this morning. Someone here needs to respond. Someone needs to come and say, God, I don't know how this situation is going to turn out in my life. I don't know what the end is, but I've been pressured far beyond what I could handle. It's more than I can take, but I want to respond to you, God, in faith. I want to come and lay this burden at your feet right here at this altar and say, God, I don't know anymore, but I know that you do, and I want to leave it in your hands, God. Somebody here needs to do that this morning. Won't you come and lay that down at his feet? Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Why wouldn't you? It'd be like toting a couch that was too heavy when you had three people offering to help and telling them no. It just don't make sense. He says, give me your burdens. So come and lay them at his feet this morning. Somebody here needs to come and, and recommit to God, they need to rededicate to God. They need to say, I, I've been trying on my own for so long. I've been trying to do it my way for so long, but I look back at my life and all the things that I've tried to do on my own, and I realize I have made a filthy mess out of everything I've done. I've messed this thing up bad, and I want to commit right now that from this day forward, I'm going to leave it in the hands of God. Won't you come this morning and make that commitment? Now, I know you can make it in your seat. I'm not silly. I know that, that, that walking down that aisle doesn't make your prayer more special, but there's something about standing up and making that walk that says, I'm going to commit to you, God. Somebody here needs to do that. I don't know who you are. Somebody here needs to do that. Come and commit to God. Say, I'm putting my faith in you to walk me through this life. There's somebody else here this morning who's shackled by a different kind of load. Who's tried their whole lives to endure their afflictions all on their own. Who's never put their faith in Jesus Christ. Who's never understood what it means to have a friend above all friends and a helper above all helpers. Won't you come this morning and say, I want to be saved. I want to give my life to Jesus. I don't want to carry this burden anymore. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we thank you so much. God, we, we thank you for what you've done. God, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you're going to do, Lord God. That no matter the burden we walked into here with, Lord God, we can leave different no matter what baggage we brought into this place this morning God you said give it to me we say but God I've done this he said give it to me but God I've done it he said give it to me God I'm too bad and God said no one has ever been too bad for my grace cast your cares upon me because <clears throat> I care for you God, give somebody the conviction and the strength to lay that burden at your feet this morning. 
God, give that person this morning the courage to say, I'm going to commit to you, God. I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. I've made a mess by myself. And God saved somebody this morning because we know that there is no other name by which people are saved in the name of Jesus. So God, give somebody the conviction to cry out Jesus this morning. It is in your precious, saving, healing, heavenly name that we pray, God. Amen. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.